Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Hey, Stephen, we have some stuff to talk about before we start talking about other stuff. Are you ready for it? (laughs) (laughs) This sounds suspiciously like how we were talking before we started recording. Yeah. Other stuff has a asterisk next to it and a footnote that says Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> or, more fittingly, Steven singing at Brendan the theme, Edge of Dawn. Da, 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 da. Oh, I wish I could stay. Yeah, we've been recording for about 10 minutes. You haven't been hearing all of those 10 minutes, but it's mostly consisted of Steven singing. His own lyrics to the Fire Emblem theme song. It's mostly me singing my own lyrics and then being like, see, I actually usually use like two squads. Oh, I wish I could stay. <laughs> and you're like, Steven, I have shit to do. I've got a life. <laughs> um, it is worth mentioning that we are going to be talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses more today. Uh, not through the whole episode. We're going to save it for the last segment. But it's going to be a little bit more spoiler heavy than last week's um, because I have now gotten to the halfway point in the game in which a lot of things change. Uh, Steven has since finished the game and started playing it a second time. Yeah, laugh all you want. I've had a great time. No, uh, I mean, I'm going to probably do the same thing. So, yeah, uh, I, no, I have no finished the Blue Lions campaign and I started New Game Plus for the Black Eagles, which I'll touch on. Yeah. But like, it's kind of funny in our discord, which you can uh, see in the show notes, bit.ly slash TWG. Is that it? TWG discord. Yeah. Discord. I almost got it. Um, we have a channel for Fire Emblem, and I wrote like, hey guys, just finished the Blue Lions campaign, I had a great time, definitely gonna take a bit of a break. Like, the next day, I'm like, I start a new game plus, but you know, I'm really just gonna choose the house, <laughs> and then kind of leave it there. And the next night, it's like, so I've done some research, and act two of, of Linhart's route, uh, <laughs> and they're all like, Steven, just play it, like, no one cares. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. That That channel has been a blast. Thank you all for your, like, just being great. Yeah. Uh, it's been a really fun time. It's been really good. Um, and actually, that that leads into uh, some stuff that I wanted to talk about, which was, uh, first of all, the the Discord, bit.ly slash TWG Discord. You can join there. Um, just wanted to front load this episode with all of this stuff in case um, you don't you know, make it to the Fire Emblem thing, in case you want to skip it because it's all spoiler filled. Um, but yeah, so we also have a Twitter account. It's at Into the Cast, a Twitch account at Into the Cast. Um, and another thing that's worth mentioning is at the end of last episode, we mentioned, hey, we're thinking about starting a Patreon because... Enough of you have been gracious enough to like literally just ask us how how do we support this podcast, um, which is, first of all, just like mind bendingly incredible. Yeah, it's wild. But um, Stephen and I have any words. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Um, Stephen and I have been talking about um, the potential of that and what we want to do with it. Um, and I think we have pretty much firmly landed on something which we're not ready to talk about like fully just yet but like there's going to be reward tiers and stuff we're going to be doing some extra cool stuff that i'm excited about uh but the i think overarching thing that i just wanted to mention before we launch this which might be next week might be the week after it might not be till september who knows is pretty much just the act of people donating at all means that we're going to start doing bonus episodes for this show i think starting monthly we're going to do an extra monthly episode that's like maybe a deep dive uh into a game that we're talking about so steve and i are talking about potentially doing like a really deep spoiler filled uh story discussion about three houses uh when i'm done with it also which i should be by the time we record that and uh just things along those lines so the whole idea is like we didn't want to keep any content back from people. Um, so just the act of donating at all means everybody 
whether you donate or not, gets access to the bonus episode. Um, so that's the thing that we're going to start doing. And on top of that, there's going to be a bunch of other cool stuff. And we'll announce that when uh, when we get to it. But just wanted yeah, to front load this episode with all of that so we can get out of the way. We're both really excited to share that and to do more of the show. And yeah, like Brendan said, it's going to be for everyone. There will be in what we discussed with the uh, the different price perks if you want to support the show um there will be some stuff that only you're getting but it's not going to be anything episode related uh so right. like everyone is going to get that yeah um just to say that too but we'll get more into that when it's out in the open all right for now <laughs> for now we're gonna we're gonna uh repay our our debts we're gonna atone for last week we were gonna talk about sky oh uh, yeah a really lovely new mobile game oh yeah like that would have been <laughs> like we didn't plan this ahead of time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steven, I'm how could you blindside me with this information? We're going to talk about Sky, uh, which is a mobile game. Is it iPhone exclusive or is it for everything? It is currently iPhone exclusive, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, and it's made by that game company, uh, which they are the developers who made Flower and probably most notably Journey. Yes. Um, really, really, uh, really, really cool creative team. So we're going to talk about that. I think you have more on this. This is like the inverse of Fire Emblem, where... Uh, <laughs> You are deeper into this than I am currently. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I will say it's 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 interesting that this game came out pretty soon after we had our episode about like how mobile games kind of have like sometimes they are discredited inherently for being mobile games. Yeah. And you and I are both a big fan of a lot of mobile games. And obviously, like you're not going to like a game because it is a mobile game. But there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening on mobile exclusively designed for that mobile experience florence is a good example uh alta's odyssey we talked about there's a lot of really interesting games that make use of being on a phone and literally as if we like the secret it the secreted <laughs> this into existence that game company which is basically like the video game equivalent of paul thomas anderson made a, a mobile game and it's called sky uh it was literally the day that we released our episode talking about mobile yeah. games that they released and for context I, I always think of this so flower was i think their first game was something called like it was flow flow it was yeah. a, it was a browser game i believe uh, uh browser and ps3 i believe um yeah the one where your little protozoa swimming yeah. around yeah yeah excuse me so that was their first game and then they made flower which was also i think a ps3 exclusive that was ps3 and 360 was when those two systems in particular were really supporting a lot of indie developers so now nintendo yeah. has kind of become that which is really interesting but back then it was like Sony and Microsoft. You had stuff like Bastion on 360 mm -hmm. uh, and you had stuff like Flower on PS3. And Flower, I always think there was a, I think it was 2011 or 2012, the Smithsonian had an exhibit called yep. Games Are Art or The Art of Games. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had like, they basically had like a handful of games from every generation that they would consider art. There's a booklet, I think it's called like From Pac-Man to Mass Effect. Um, I didn't go, but I was just, I was so happy that it existed. Yeah. Cause like that was, that was around like that early kind of 2010s was right when I think you heard the term indie game a lot more. And I think people were kind of breaking out of the idea that video games are like just toys for kids. Like right. that was the time when it started to change. Um, you had stuff like Uncharted coming out, you had stuff like Mass Effect coming out, you had stuff like Flower, and Flower was like the Games Are Art game when that came out. It was yeah. like, you play as the wind, just blowing yeah, pedals Yeah, it, it used the six-axis controller on the PS3 that allowed yeah. you to tilt your controller around, and there was just a gyroscope in there, so that's how you controlled the wind, was by just tilting your controller around. 
Yeah, and you have to like basically there really isn't any concrete objective. Like you could literally just kind of blow pedals around in yeah. infinitely if you wanted to. But if you did kind of focus on the visual objectives, you could gather a bunch of pedals to like bring life back to certain areas of the map. It's a really beautiful game. I'd I'd highly recommend it even still. Um Yeah, I think it's available with, for PS4 now. Um Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really you could you could complete it in a few hours and it's it's like I can't think of a more psychologically refreshing game, especially when like a lot of our current climate stresses about like environmental dangers like mm-hmm. <laughs> playing a game where you're like bringing life back to the world is kind of nice oh, uh, i just looked it up it's also available on ios now oh which is great honestly probably even better i think that 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 actually that i actually i think would even work better as a mobile game now that i'm saying it out loud yeah journey is their follow-up journey is like the similar vibe to flower but way more ambitious you play as this humanoid figure with like a long cloak in the desert and journey is one of the most beautiful games i've played in my life it's great it has a phenomenal score i use the journey centric a lot uh in my D group just a yeah. fun fact it's so oh, really like, great yeah or orchestra orchestral and sweeping and great and uh that game has a really interesting mechanic with playing with other people online a journey spoiler for the next like 15 seconds but basically as you play that game there are other other similar looking humanoid beings that help you out and they really feel like they're npcs like they really do feel like that and by once you finish your journey in the end credits it shows you that all those characters were actually real players and it shows you like their gamer tag and stuff and that is such a beautiful thing because you're like there was no it, there was no incentive for them to I, I think you do get some kind of perk but like there really is no reason for them to help you yet everyone has that experience and it's like a really optimistic view of uh of humanity honestly that like there's something inherently natural in us where we do want to help in the right circumstances yeah uh, it made me cry um okay so that's journey and i think now sky is out and sky has kind of doubled down on that social experience similar looking character to journey but now you got wings all right uh and uh, i am like an hour or so in you're a little bit deeper so i will give the mic to you and uh hear your sky take but i want to give a little bit of a history with like my history with that game company why it's so exciting that they're making something yeah like this yeah um I, I guess to back up then also my history with this uh company has been i played flow when it came out and then i played flower when it came out uh, and then I played Journey when it came out. I'm just a big fan of all of the games that these people make. And uh, Journey, I, th- I think, was the most ambitious and interesting of those three games by far. I don't think that's like a yeah. hot take by any stretch no, of the no. I mean, it's 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 like a, you can see a natural progression in their goals and ambitions from that. Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought it was really fascinating that they they kept hidden the fact that you were actually playing with other people online. That was a really impressive feat at the time. I had a really interesting and like very singular experience with my first time through that game. I think that I have never talked to anyone else who had this experience and I haven't really seen a lot of people who had this experience, but I met someone. So I think it's like the second or third level that you play in that game where it's the first time you can meet a person and that person stuck with me throughout the entirety of the game. So it's just me and this one person the whole time and then it was revealed at the end that it was one person um and it wasn't until i played the game a second and third and fourth and fifth time because i played that game a lot that i i noticed that you could meet multiple people throughout your journey um so that first time playing with that one person i thought was like really really a magical and cool experience and i'm glad that me and whoever that was 
sat down for the entire like two two and a half hours That's and so played cool. the whole thing together yeah. a really weird experience where i wasn't old enough to like drink or go out and it, i think it came out like around saint patrick's day and all of my friends and roommates went out to like bars to go drink and they were like brendan you hang out here i was like oh okay this sucks <laughs> so i just i just hung out and i played i played through all of journey and and just had like a magical experience and i think uh what's interesting about that game is that like so first of all there's there's the like not so subtle thematic goal of like trying to encapsulate one's entire like life and pursuit of a goal or pursuit of a dream and vision um in that yeah. game and and how you need other people to help you uh whether you know who they are or not which i think is great you know the game starts off with you looking at a big ass mountain that's like shooting light down at you and you're like i'm gonna make it to that mountain and that's the whole game um yeah. and there are you know multiple multiple obstacles in your way and you know you hit some low points literally you hit some high points literally uh it's it's a really beautiful thing but also throughout all those levels there are a bunch of different secret things where you can find these like light puzzle elements that give you these glyphs and the glyphs make your uh, scarf longer uh and allow you to like jump and fly a little bit uh further and faster um and mm-hmm. eventually if you beat the game multiple times get all of these glyphs uh your cloak changes from red to white and when you have a white cloak you really have no reason to play the game again because you've unlocked everything. Um, But what I found and what I found other people doing, people with those white cloaks kind of ended up as like guides, ended up as like teachers uh, that would like bring other people around. And I spent a lot of time doing this where I would bring other people to the glyphs to help them find these glyphs so they could eventually unlock the white cloak as well, which I thought was like an even like more interesting, metatextual, beautiful layer on top of the whole game already was like, you know, you have this one singular goal, but there are a lot of other goals that you can accomplish along the way. Some smaller, uh, some smaller things to accomplish in the pursuit of your dream, uh, which I just thought was like an amazing thing. And I played that game over and over and over again. And I loved it very dearly. So when I heard that that game company was making a game specifically for the iOS platform originally, and I think it might be getting a wider release eventually. I know it's coming to Apple TV at some point, which is interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. I could see this ending up on Switch and on PS4 and Xbox and all that stuff eventually. I don't yeah. I don't know if there's any kind of exclusivity deal with with um apple i i think there's not i think that game company was just like we just want to make a game for the most popular like platform in the world like everybody has a phone so we're gonna make a game for phones which like makes sense (laughs) from like a business perspective but uh when i heard they were making a game and it just looked like journey but in the clouds it was like yeah fucking sign me up i don't care how similar (laughs) this looks to this other game because i i just want more of that i picked it up and started playing it the day came out Uh, I think, like we said, it was the day that that mobile game episode came out, which was really weird. And this game is really, really interesting. It is like almost completely opaque in what it's trying to tell you, um, I think thematically. But a lot of the mechanics kind of like stack on top of each other and then create, I think, the overall uh, vision for what they're trying to accomplish with this. Uh, The most interesting thing, I think, to mention about it, maybe not the most interesting, that's a little bit reductive, but one of the most interesting things to mention about it is that it's a free to play mobile game uh, that has a lot of like in-app purchases and stuff available. And and I'm not saying that as like a well, this sucks, because like, honestly, I have not felt the need to even come remotely close to buying any of them yet. Um, I might eventually because I like supporting developers. Um, especially I like supporting this developer. So like I probably will at some point, but the, the in-app purchases really don't amount to much by way of like seeing and experiencing the game, which I think is important. And even more interestingly, there is 
an actual in-app purchase that is like a two-pack that is for you and a friend uh, where you get a discount if you buy if you buy the in-app purchases for someone else instead of for yourself, which is very cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, which kind of like reinforces everything else that the game is trying to do, which is like wild yeah. that like they put a monetary value on the themes of their game, which is like <laughs> just kind of like a whole yeah. deeper level. But I guess to give like a, a broad overview of this game, it is very much like Journey. Um, yeah, you start off in is. this little place. I think it's just called home or hub, something like that. Um, and it, yeah. it, it has a bunch of gates that r- weirdly reminded me of Crash Team Racing. <laughs> like I was about to say, this game reminds me a lot of Spyro. Yeah, there's a lot yes. of uh, it has that kind of like world design. And the, one of the main missions is to uh, stars have fallen out of the sky and you meet these kind of weird apparitions who mm-hmm. like all have their own vibe. And then if you do certain things, they go back to the sky. And it reminded me of like all the dragon statues yes. in Spyro who would be like, oh, thank you for saving me or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever they would say. Also, like flying around. Uh, and I had to say, too, just right off the bat, like flying and like the clouds and all that is amazing, especially on mobile. Like it's such an intimate experience yeah. and like the way it looks and the way it sounds. They definitely encourage you to wear headphones while playing this. And it, it's it pays. Yeah, off. the pop up uh, before you start really... playing the game says uh sound is more than half of the experience and I, yeah. I agree with that um yeah absolutely yeah, it's really really cool so so yeah that i think that's a great uh baseline for the game is like you start off in this place you go through these doors that are very much like the spyro or crash doors uh or like think the mario 64 paintings uh and you go in and every yeah. everyone that you go through is like a different world that you have to explore and these worlds are just like beautiful lush green environments that are floating literally in the sky in the clouds um, you have the ability to fly and your cape gets longer a la journey um, as you continue to uh, go around and explore this place and free these spirits that you're talking about. Um, and these spirits seem to be from some kind of like old civilization. It seems like the the main crux of the game, uh, the way that you continue to grow is by learning more about the civilization that used to live in these places. And you do that pretty much just by like doing really, really light puzzle elements to find these spirits. And then you kind of follow them throughout this little almost vignette. It's like a little tiny story that's literally told in just the gestures that you find them like posed in multiple times. And there's like, you know, three, four, five little poses that you'll find them along and you just kind of follow them along this path. And then once you free them very much weirdly, like you said, like the dragons from Spyro, uh, where, where they are like frozen, like statues almost, uh, yeah. like covered in moss. Um, and you light them up with a candle and then it frees them from this, from this like weird stone moss prison. Um, and then they return to the sky where you then can eventually, uh, talk to them and they will give you, I think the only upgrade outside of your cape, which is, uh, the ability to do emotes. Yeah, you get different expressions. Which is really fascinating. So these emotes are literally just ways for you to communicate with other people in the game. Like they have they serve no purpose beyond talking to other people. And that I think is the most interesting thing about this game is that if Journey was about kind of like obscuring the fact that the people that you're playing with are actual people, this game is very overtly like you are surrounded by people at all times. Yeah, and it's it's obvious too. Like yeah. they all it feels like a like when you're in the hub world, especially, it feels like you're playing like an online game, like everyone's running around and yeah. changing their hairstyles and stuff. Right. You know? And and if you tap on yourself, you do a little like honk. You do like a little like it's it's almost like an oboe sound. 
in a way. It just goes like, Wah. You should not have told me that because that's all I'm going to be doing. You didn't know that? <laughs> like, no. They're gonna be, Who's this angel that's honking at me? It, Honk. It's great. It's really, I mean, th- so they had that in Journey as well. Um, uh-huh. And and the same thing happens in this game where like you could just run around and go like, wah, 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 wah. And it's great. Um, and that's your only oh method of communicating outside of, uh, outside of emotes. Um, so... What is very cool about this game is that every every one of these worlds is like broken up into little tiny islands uh, and each of those islands has a different way to get off of that island. And those are like the kind of light puzzle elements that really you can do by yourself. But I have found at least almost in every single place that I have visited so far are accomplished by other people in the world doing it for me instead very rarely am I actually taking part in like the unlocking of the next place, which is cool. So like I will just show up at a place and kind of like be running around and exploring. Meanwhile, three, four, five other people are running around actually doing what you need to be doing on that island to progress, which is kind of cool to like unhook you from the actual progression of the game. Um, like yeah. you can do it really at your own pace. And once they've done it for you, it doesn't really matter if you do it or not. Um, you can just keep moving forward. And what that kind of creates, like, that, like, very, very loose structure just creates this, like, playground in a way. And it really gets to the heart of a thing that I talk about all the time on this show, which is a game as a vibe. And the vibe of this game is just pure relaxation. It is, like, the most calming, like, heartwarming experience. It is so wholesome in every way. It's the most missionless of all their games in a good way. Yeah, totally. Like it kind of goes back to flower in that sense, but even more so in the fact that, like you said, I've also experienced the fact that, like most people are lighting candles for me. Yeah. Everywhere I go. I just, I don't know what it is about me, um, but uh, <laughs> you can, it's like, cause in flower you could just, you know, fly around and do whatever, but you to progress, you eventually had to do what the level was asking you to do. Right. In this game, you could literally just kind of stroll through it and fly around and I think especially too, as a mobile game, if you're like playing this on a train, you know, for example, like. It is just like visual and audio like bliss. Basically, yeah. I've never been really so nice. unhooked from my own commute as as <laughs> the few times that I played this on the train I on my way into work. I, I'm going to start because I, I, I like kind of I did what I did with Florence where I got home from work and I sat down and I started playing Sky and I yeah. had a good time with it. But I'm like, this feels like a commute game. This feels like a really nice. Yeah. Like I'm on the train or at an airport game. Yeah. Uh. So yeah yeah it is it it is so so beautiful which i i don't know if we've like really uh expressed like to its fullest extent like it is easily the most beautiful game that they've made um the the actual act of flying around um just feels so freeing and weightless and interesting the only controls that exist at the moment are touch controls so you have like a virtual analog stick situation going on which i've seen some people say like oh i don't really like this i haven't had a problem with it um but you know that's like a your mileage may vary situation but eventually i think it's ios 13 which comes out in september or october um they're going to be adding bluetooth controller support which means that like your ps4 controller or your xbox one controller uh, can connect to your iPhone and then you can play it with that, which is awesome. Um, I oh, have wow. I have iOS 13 right now. I'm on the the beta of it. I have not tried connecting my PS4 controller to it, but that's I think the next thing that I'm gonna do. Um, I've just been playing so much Fire Emblem that I haven't gone back to Sky <laughs> since it came out. Um, that's the most tragic thing about us because this is totally a game we would probably spend way more time talking and playing, but yeah. like talking about and playing. But that gosh darn Fire Emblem Three House is taking <laughs> up all our time. It really, really is. 
but yeah, I, I wanted to bring this game up and I wanted to talk about how great it is and how, how cool I find it, um, specifically because I don't see a lot of discussion happening surrounding it. Um, and maybe I think it's because of Fire Emblem. <laughs> it might be because it's Fire Emblem. It might be, be I don't know. because like it maybe it's just because it's a mobile game. Like that might be the reason like people aren't really diving into it. Um, but it is definitely, definitely a game worth checking out. If you like any of the previous that game company stuff, if you've ever been even interested into that game company stuff or games like that like abzu please check out sky because it is really fucking cool and it's free so like yeah dive into it and give it a whirl i could see maybe some people because we just talked about how journey is like the most ambitious of the of the of their catalog prior to that um and sky is definitely ambitious in its own right but it's going for a very specific thing so i could see maybe some people being like oh like when is the journey sequel like when is like when are you going to one-up Journey, basically? Yeah. You know, in terms of, like, that kind of cinematic, cathartic experience. Um, but I think it's important to have games like Sky and to also see... Like, I did not expect them to go this route, and I'm happy they did. Uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's cool that they're always kind of challenging themselves and what they're making. Yeah, I was just about to um, say, I, I think what I what I'm most curious about with this game is, like, I don't know where it ends or if it ends or... Or like what is around every corner. Like I have no idea what is going to happen the more of this game that I play. So like I I guess it's worth mentioning the way the like in-game currency works because like again it is a free-to-play mobile game so there is like an in-game currency but that currency equates to candles um, and those candles you can level up by lighting unlit candles around the world and around the environment Um, or if you go near a candle that is lit and it's been I think like 24 hours or something you can you can uh, build up your candle meter Uh, and if you build that up enough where you get I think three candles you get a heart and the hearts allow you to become friends with other players and by becoming friends with other players is how you level up uh, yourself and the emotes that you have and uh, your I think your cape also gets leveled up that way so you can fly higher and further and faster, which is like a really fascinating thing that they've they've monetized, like becoming friends yeah. with people. I it's that's a little overwhelming to me, at least now, because I haven't really I haven't really visually digested that while playing. Yeah, um, I, I, I might even be wrong because they don't explain yeah. it in any way. Like the game no, is really don't. I, I use this word in the beginning, but like the game is so opaque in that, like it does not explain what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be doing it, what currency matters, why you have a candle, why you can hold that candle up to other people. Um, why you can honk at other people like it doesn't explain any of this stuff um, it really yeah. is like all completely up to your own interpretation and I do wonder like once I play more of this game and once I figure more of that out is it going to lose its magic or am I going to be even more into it because there are like daily quests I don't know what they are but I know that they exist Yeah, I haven't seen any of them I don't know what they are um, I haven't even seen all the worlds yet I'm still like just trying to traverse the place uh, much less figure out what the in-game economy is right so yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot i think hiding beneath the surface of this game um it is like like journey and like flower it is completely wordless like there are no there's no dialogue to help you out there's no like tutorials that are really helping you you just kind of get thrown into it and you have to figure it out yourself which is kind of like part of the beauty of it i think um it's just like being dropped into this extremely gorgeous place and just like trying to figure out this world cuz at the end of the day that feels like it is serving the theme of the game if the theme is like collaboration with others to to discover 
to discover like a world that has been lost right and like kind of like bring it back to life the the act of dropping a player in with no knowledge at all only serves that i think yeah i think so too and and i am enjoying all of the time that i've spent with it so far but again fire emblem came out so i haven't been back <laughs> since yeah i changed my i gave myself a ponytail and then i was like okay this is good uh cathartic and episode one is over of sky yeah um, <laughs> i found the right hairstyle yeah um yeah, but I, I think at least for now we'd recommend, I mean, it's free and hopefully we, we won't find ourselves bumping into any like paywalls or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine honestly knowing this, this company, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll have a clear idea of like, if the game is going for what we feel it's going for now, the deeper we get into it. So. I think so too. Um, one thing that I just want to mention real quick before we move on to something else is one of my favorite things about it are all the emotes and all the stupid things that you can do with all your friends because they remind yeah. me a lot of uh, Sea of Thieves um, or like a Starbound in how ridiculous they are. So like you can yeah. you can get instruments and you can play instruments with all of your friends um, when you're doing emotes back and forth. It reminds me so much of like the very bizarre pirate uh like the physics of moving your character around in sea of thieves where they're like kind of swaying around like they're like top heavy um and like bumping into things it's really like cute and adorable and also really funny um and and i love it dearly and i can't wait to go yeah. back to it and now even I mean, just talking about it for however long we've been talking about it i really want to go and play sky right now uh yeah so it is a compelling experience and it's free i know you could get instruments I, I my fondest memories of Starbound are being in like either of our ships that are flying at light speed and we're just playing like the pretenders on Kitar and Kazoo. Yep. You know, like yeah. Do, 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 do. yeah, whatever. Um It was always like so it was always Gymnopede was always what I played whenever I was in your <laughs> ship. <laughs> I think someone got like more than a feeling. There was definitely I would walk five hundred miles somewhere. Yeah. It was great. Is that how you pronounce that? Is it Gymnopede? I, I'm sure it's not, right? What, what? Oh, the classical song? Yeah. There's no uh, way that God. that's how you pronounce that. I don't think it is, but I think it might be a new bug Pokemon. <laughs> 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 it evolves into like Caterplug. <laughs> They're not even trying anymore. There already is a bug that is like a cell phone charger. Charger bug. I'm a big fan of. Yeah. I was so surprised. Completely unrelated. Maybe not. I was so surprised when uh, Pokemon Go came out and there were all those complaints about like this game eats your battery. I was so surprised they didn't release a charger bug like phone charger, like an officially <laughs> branded Pokemon charger bug phone charger. Yeah. Especially be because great. the previous game by Niantic, who makes Pokemon Go, was called Ingress and they made an official Ingress phone charger. Wow. They, they were like, we're not going to fix the battery drain problems with this game, but you can buy our phone charger. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's tough because you need to put on the GPS and there's like no working around that the GPS like eats your battery. Yeah, right. Uh, it's that it's it's AR, right? So like you have to have your camera on. You have to be like processing the world around you. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on with that game. But yeah. anyway, Sky yeah. by that game company. Sky from that game company. Uh. Yeah, a, a like I don't want to say a cautious recommendation, but like a definitely check it out if you're curious. Um, I think we just need to know more about it before we're like this rules. You know what I mean? I'm uh, kind of in the this rules camp already. Gotcha. Like I've I've played two or three hours at this point, and I'm mm -hmm. really 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 enjoying it. But I still don't know a lot about it, and I and that's yeah. almost what is driving me to play it more. Is like just that act of discovery. And if that just goes on forever, that's kind of cool. If you could make yeah. a whole game no, that, that always too. feels surprising and mysterious like yeah that's a good game for sure 
I I can safely attest that the first hour ruled. I just like haven't played enough of it to give like an honest take yet. Um, yeah, but I'm enjoying it greatly so far. Cool. Excited to talk about it again once we get farther in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. yeah let, let's play, let's so. put a pin in this and come back to it. Um, in like that's a that's what weeks. I meant. That's what I meant more than like being cautious. I just wanna I wanna I wanna give it the time I think it deserves. Yeah. All right. Speaking of time it deserves, let's take a break, baby. Let's do it. I'm gonna get a glass of water and I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna sing Fire Emblem songs at you. Great. Oh, I'm excited. Is that the break? Is it just you singing Fire Emblem? <laughs> I mean, I'll never tell. <laughs> Goodbye. See ya. Goodbye. Brendan. Steven. There's a new. Hey, there's a new. Uh, there's a new guy in Smash Brothers. <laughs> there's a, there are a lot of guys. A lot of new there's guys a lot in, of, in Smash Brothers. A bunch of a bunch of dudes just showed up and they're like. A new challenger has approached, but they all said at the same time, it's actually a barbershop quintet. They're like, <laughs> here I am, here I am, here I am, ice cream, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Music, music they, man reference. They all showed up with swords using magic <laughs> in a game spells, that had no with- shortage of dudes with swords who use magic. They're like they're like five dudes just showed up at Comic Con dressed as Deadpool, basically. <laughs> like that's yeah. Um, the hero from Dragon Age. Quest. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a video game podcast. The hero from Dragon Age. Uh, the Dark Spawn has arrived. Uh, <laughs> or no, it's I got that wrong too. Gray Warden. Jesus. Anyway, Dragon Quest. Yes, the hero. Uh, all the heroes from Arrows Past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a palette swap. It's one character, kind of like uh, similar to Robin, where you, and Corin, where you can you can change like who their character is and and their gender. Um, or the Bowser Jr. Just, kids. Or that's actually a more apt comparison because you're just changing the character themselves, even though they play the same. Yeah. Um. So I think there are like four different heroes. I think it's from- four. Yeah. You can also, there's also like one color swap for each of them. Mm-hmm. So there are eight options for your hero. Um, and we have both played as them. Uh, they very much are another sword character. Yeah. Uh, they feel really good, uh, in kind of an intimidating way. So, like, their sword is sword stuff. Their up B is like a big jump in the air with like a gust of tornadoes beneath them. Yeah. And the longer um, you hold it down, the higher they jump, and the recovery is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I think the standard B is like a lightning spell, if memory serves. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Thoron adjacent, if you will. Uh, uh-huh. Their side B is like a forward slash, and their down B is really fun, where you get a RPG menu where you choose what spell they want to cast. And this is insane, because there's at least like 15 spells. Yeah, there's uh, a whole bunch. There's like a reflect, there's one that's called sizzle, sizzle right? Sizzle, yeah. One's called it's called like oomph, which yeah. makes you stronger. That the best thing about Dragon Quest is that all the spells are like Dickensian slang, basically. Yeah. So they're like, right. you know, like it's just like fix him up, ban him up, ouch. You know, those are the spells <laughs> you get. Uh yeah. So like the, kind of a la Shulk, they have an ability to like boost how fast they are, uh, how strong they are. They have some I think there's a spell literally called Kaboom that just like a big explosion. Um, given you don't have a choice of what spells show up and your MP has to recharge over time to use it again. So it's a bit of an unreliable thing. It's almost like 
it's almost like Game and Watch's judgment in a way. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. basically like a fixed random move. So, but they just feel really good. Like, like I think that always is the case with the DLC characters. They show up and like, well, they feel like they are like a little bit broken. Like Prana Plant felt that way, Joker felt that way, and now Hero very much feels that way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like complaining because I, I truly don't know. But like just messing around with them, like this character feels like they have no short shortness of ability. Yeah, I'm really um, interested to see how this balances out in time. I could see this. And maybe this is a dumb thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like I could see this character getting getting blocked from tournaments because one, <laughs> I think it's one, maybe even two of the of the uh, spells that can pop up when you do the down B are literal, not literal, but like pretty much one hit kills on other yeah. people, which is like think, you can't leave that up to chance. That's really fucked up, you know. Like even that, even Joker is kind of like a glass cannon. I think he plays fine. Like I think he's not too overpowered. Yeah. Like when his persona shows up, like he can do a lot of damage, but it's still like you can knock Joker out at like a pretty low percentage. Right. So like he's not he's not unbelievably powerful, but Hero feels unstoppable. We were scared. we were uh, some friends and I were playing last night, and we were just like fucking around with all the all the uh down b spells that you can get and one of them literally does 80 percent damage on one hit like yeah, if, if you much. hit somebody one time it does 80 percent. and like just for context like usually around 80 percent is when you can start to kill people in that game so and like, usually like ganondorf's punch that takes like 20 minutes to wind up i think does like 24 percent. right yeah so, like usually the big moves do like 20 to 30 yeah. So so if you're already at anything over like 10% damage and then you get hit with that thing, you're dead pretty much. But you are the chosen hero and of <laughs> course your your kaboom will slay the jokers of the field. Oomph. Uh, oomph. Ouch. <laughs> kaboom. Sizzle. Sizzle. It is kind of funny because like the voice acting in Dragon, at least in uh, the PS4 version, the English voice acting is like, it's camp, like it's purposely campy. Yeah. But sometimes the characters are like, take this. <laughs> it's like, kaboom. It's so funny. Uh, I'm really that. curious how you're going to, because when does, when does Dragon Age, God damn it. Okay. No video game could be named Dragon anything for 20 years. <laughs> like, let's take a break. Uh, Dragon Quest. When is Dragon Quest 11 uh, echoes of an elusive age? I know that. Um the definitive edition come out for the switch. When I believe it's November, but they just oh, announced this week that they're doing a demo. Like you can download a demo on the switch and um, you can play. I, I, I forget how much of it you can play, but once you stop playing the demo, it keeps that save until the game comes out and then you can pick up right from there, which is cool. That's really neat. I like that. That's kind of what they did with Octopath. I think if memory serves oh, is it? like, yeah, they had like a pretty like they had like a you could just play the game for forty five minutes. I think. Oh, cool. Um, uh, which in that game is like I get you get to the first battle after like eight scenes. Yeah, but, you know whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dragon. I, I'm really curious that I know you are uh, part of season two. Is you trying to find uh, a JRPG that you like? Mm-hmm. Which I think we, if you count Fire Emblem, I think we did it. I, I was going to bring that it. up during the Fire Emblem yeah. segment today. I think this counts. Yeah, I think it does count. But I think if if you want to find like a classic ass, yeah, like you know Final Fantasy era one, you can't get more retro or classic than Dragon Dragon Quest. It's almost too retro or classic for me because I never got into the series. Mm. You and I both Echoes of an Elusive Age played uh, <laughs> the Dragon Quest Monsters game for the Game Boy. That was like a Pokemon yeah. kind of knockoff. 
uh, which is really fun. Um, and I, I've enjoyed my time with, uh, I talked about Dragon Quest Eleven on the PS4 in an older episode. I think it's literally called Dragon Quest Eleven. This time Cuber is in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's a fun game. I think like that's a series that is so beloved. I just felt like I needed to check it out. Yeah. Um, it definitely took a while for me to get as into it because it's also a series that has like purposely never changed. Like they have stuck to the same formula and that's what people either really like about it or what they kind of bump up against. Um, but all that to say, I think it's cool that the hero is in smash brothers because it is such a beloved series, especially in Japan, that it's cool to have like, like a nod to that series in a game like smash brothers, which is basically like a love letter to video games at a certain point. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's almost like surprising that there hasn't been a dragon quest character in this game. Yeah, or in this franchise until now. Um, but I guess you know it was only what with Brawl that they started adding third-party characters in. Um, but yeah, it it feels like it makes sense that he's in there now. Um, I yeah. just wish that he didn't have a bunch of moves that killed you in one hit. Um, <laughs> but again, like I don't play yeah. this game competitively. I don't know. Maybe he's terrible. Maybe he's awful. But like yeah, in the setting know. that it's... I was playing yesterday when yeah. we were just like fucking around with him, it was like, oh yeah, this dude is like he has some problematic moves. Yeah, his spell, his spell list, which is the most interesting, interesting thing about the character, is also the most unbalanced. It seems. Oomph, yeah. Owie, sizzle, kaboom. <laughs> hey Ganondorf, you're gonna hate my kaboom. I'm the chosen one. Hey Doctor Mario, I don't want your pills. <laughs> kaboom, <laughs> kaboom, sizzle. Oof. <laughs> um, yeah, the game is super Dickensian. Uh, when you first learn how to s- smith weapons, Eric, your first companion, goes, All right, here's how you use the smith and Bob's your uncle. It's done. Oh, and my it's like, God. This rules. I love this. Um, I'm ready. Yeah. So that's the hero. I'm really excited for Banjo Kazooie. Um, that's the next character yeah. that they unveil. That's going to be amazing. Um, and then there are two more. There are two more after that. Waluigi, here we come. I really hope I, I i feel like the this the set the the stage is set for for the last two to be like unbelievably big announcements because each character to varying degrees depending on what you're into has been a huge deal yeah. like joker no one literally no one's not coming ha ha, ha. uh, uh <laughs> hero mm-hmm. hero is a big deal for people who love that series and bench kazooie is like a big deal for anyone born in the millennial generation basically yeah. uh so I don't know. The last two are going to be have to be big. I really don't want Minecraft Steve. Obviously, I don't think we're going to get him. I think, I think that it. Leak has I think it would false. have been Minecraft Steve if it wasn't Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, I agree. I agree because he's the micro. He's technically Microsoft now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be. Let's, it's going to be Waluigi, and then Netflix. I think. If you push down B, you can select what show you want to watch. I hope you like the show. Kaboom. <laughs> All right. This sucks. Let's move on. <clears throat> Done with this break. I took my headphones off. Steven, we're back. Hey, what's up, man? Not much. You know. I wasn't singing for the whole break. Get over it. <laughs> uh, hey, we got a question in the Discord that I wanted to talk about on this here episode of the podcast. Um, If you want to ask us a question, you can do it in uh, multiple ways. One of them is Discord. The other one is Twitter.com. There are a bunch of ways. Just reach out to us however you want. But uh, somebody in the Discord, Bolt uh, specifically, asked, I'd love to hear Brendan and Steven's thoughts on spoiler culture. Does knowing things about a game inherently ruin it for you? 
what do you think are the best practices when posting spoilers and to what extent should we as a society go to avoiding discussing uh, discussing a game before its release it's a really great question yeah uh, and we i think we talked a little bit about it in the discord some people had some really interesting takes on it but we purposely kind of saved our takes for an episode i think yes I, I may have forgotten that I already wrote my take, so in that case, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, it is a really interesting topic that I think has a pretty nuanced answer. So what, I'm curious to see what you think first, because I think you are someone who you seek so much information and knowledge from the world. Like you, like I, I, I know that's like a weird compliment to throw at you after I just sang at you for 20 minutes, uh-huh. but like you have such a tenacious desire to like see what is new and like what is happening. And obviously, and obviously the guy likes video games and we got this show about him. Hey, uh, if I know Brendan, if I know Brendan dude knows Minecraft, like the back of his hand. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Um, what's your take on this? What, what's your take on spoilers? We haven't really talked about this. You and I too much. So I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a weird take on spoilers in that, um, First of all, it's very specific when it comes to what like media, what media I am either avoiding or like gobbling up spoilers for. So for certain things like TV shows, uh, I I try and avoid spoilers if possible. Uh, For some movies, I try and avoid spoilers. And that's kind of how I've always been like video games. I feel the same way. Um, I've just like always avoided spoilers for a really long time. Just assuming, I guess, for like the longest time that any any story revelation that is revealed to me before it. I have seen it and experienced it firsthand on my own would inherently make my enjoyment of that thing worse, I guess, was like always my thought process. And without like getting too far into specifics, I have an interesting job uh, in that I can learn a lot of spoilers about a very specific film franchise beforehand if I want to. And uh, I opted into doing that recently purely to challenge this part of myself that always assume that all spoilers are bad because I talked to somebody at work once and they were just like, it's, it's more about the journey and not the destination. Knowing what happens doesn't change your enjoyment of that thing. Um, because if it's surrounded <laughs> by context, when you're actually watching the thing or playing the thing or reading the thing or whatever, um, when, when it's surrounded by that context, it'll still have the same effect on you. If, it, if it's, a, if it's done well, you know, if they accomplish their goal of like creating tension yeah. and creating, creating the the vibe that they're trying to elicit in you like that will still hit you regardless of if you know the thing or not it'll still be a cool moment so uh i went into a recent movie knowing everything ahead of time uh before the thing came out i i gobbled stuff up i was like i just i need to know every single plot beat beforehand um and i went down and watched the movie uh and knowing everything still loved it loved it to death it has completely it's weird that like this question got asked like so recently because I very recently after having that experience have completely shifted my view on spoilers where like I don't care at all anymore. And and it's it's a weird new ground for me to be covering because it got to the point where like I would I would like mute things on Twitter like I muted Star Wars mm-hmm. before The Last Jedi came out because I didn't want to know anything. I only watched the first trailer. I didn't watch any of the other ones past that. Um, I was like intense about avoiding spoilers. And now I'm in this place where it's like. Well, now that I've experienced this, now that I've uh, learned everything there is to learn about a movie before seeing it and then sitting down and then watching it and still enjoying it and loving those moments that I had spoiled for me, I, I have kind of like come out the other end and I kind of don't care anymore. Because again, it's it's about what the overall piece accomplishes more than like my one moment of surprise, I guess. 
and and we can talk a little bit more about that with Fire Emblem, I think, in in the next segment. Um, which it's interesting that we're we're front loading our spoiler segment on Fire Emblem with a segment about spoilers. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's I just wanted to to mention that thing specifically. Um, and and I'm sorry that I can't give even more specifics about it. But having recently experienced that, it's like I, my my whole shift. Uh, or my whole my whole outlook on that has shifted like pretty dramatically, like within the yeah. past month and a half. I think in terms of uh, the question of like what we, what should we do to avoid spoilers for people, it, and like one on one and get, like in in person discussion, I usually ask like, "Hey, are you okay if I share this?" Or like, yeah. "Are you going to watch it?" Because you know, there's so much media that at a certain point you're just gonna be like, "I'm not gonna get around to it. Just tell me." Yeah, that happens to me all the time at work with tv shows yeah. i don't i famously don't really keep up with tv which i should like i know there's a lot of good stuff coming out but it's for whatever reason the last few years i've fallen off and like my closest friends at work are big tv people and they constantly want to talk about shows and at a certain point they're like we know you're not going to watch this ever can i just tell you what happens yeah and i'm like yeah so like game of thrones was not a tv show for me but rather a like long spoken word experimental project from my coworkers yeah that totally. like existed solely through that and i'm like okay i i i like at a certain point i was like i don't want to watch the show <laughs> for multiple reasons yeah but i was like i like this show has been spoiled for me like i feel like i've heard like I know what's going to happen and that show also I feel like is very particular on like what's going to happen next is sort of like a soap opera vibe to it yeah, you know where absolutely. a lot of it is about the twists and turns so I think a lot of it in terms of like how to avoid it is based on both personal preference like when the person is planning on getting around to seeing it and like what the piece of media is because some things truly still hold their own even if you know it's going to happen um I had uh, when I was watching Breaking Bad back in the day, I I knew I knew a major event at the end of one season mm-hmm. before watching it. And it still hit me just as hard. Yeah, it still was like I still like because the again, the journey there, if, if it's well done, is still effective. Um, I think at the end of the day, I still want to go in blind. I think that I really like the organic sense of discovery. And I think I genuinely enjoy things more not knowing. But every now and then, I almost want things a little bit vetted where I'm like, just tell me this doesn't happen. Like if I'm worried Mm -hmm. about something or like, you know, whatever. uh, Sometimes I want that kind of security. Um, So I think for me, I, I personally... I'm like the opposite where I used to just spoil everything for myself and I would, I would enjoy it fine later on. But I've, I've witnessed that the things I truly love, I usually go in as blind as possible. And I think it just kind of, I think a new word is required because it doesn't spoil it, but it does weaken the blow sometimes. Mm. Uh, You know, but sometimes you can almost see the craft behind it more. So we'll get more into it in the next segment, but I'm doing new game plus now for fire emblem. Yeah. And no, and knowing that certain things are going to happen, I'm actually more impressed by some moments of writing where I'm like, Oh, they're really foreshadowing this well, or like they're really planting seeds early for this. Uh, which yeah. Is really I think, neat. I think um, you're, you're referring to a moment that I just experienced like a couple hours before we started recording. And I'm trying to now grapple with like what I just said about me not caring about spoilers. Um, and how fucking blown away I was by the moment that you're alluding to. Yeah. And like wondering if I had known that ahead of time, would that have hit as hard? And I don't know if it would have for people who like want to, 
you know, because I think most. Okay, this. Uh, I mean, this goes without saying, but anyone who's like purposely spoiling shit can fuck off. Like anyone who's like going on Twitter being like, or whatever is like, yeah. Uh, maybe redact that for people who aren't caught up in Harry Potter, but uh, you know, like that that kind of stuff is whack. But like, if you're like talking with friends and you're like, oh my god, I had the best experience with this thing, and I want to share that experience with you. It's good intention, but sometimes you really want to have them have their own and then they'll share that with you later. Yeah. You know, so like if someone has like I have friends who I I would bet my life will never touch Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm-hmm. So I don't I, I will like I'm like, hey, there's a really cool scene with Dimitri. Do you mind if I reenact it for you? And they're like, go ahead, you piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> but um, they don't say that. I have nice friends. Uh, but. <laughs> But for someone who's going to play the game, I'm like, okay, like, I almost try to redact things as, like, a selling point where I'm like, okay, this, just keep going because this moment's going to mean a lot to you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think it's really all about, like, gauging where someone's at and, like, trying to not, if you're, if you're someone who wants to share the experience, really kind of take a step back and be like, you cannot force a personal experience that you had with a piece of media onto someone else. Uh, you have right. to let them experience that on their own, and once they do, then you can really share in that moment. Uh, that applies to a lot of things with relationships, I think, where it's like <laughs> you can't project like something that you want or experience onto someone else. Um, we're getting pretty like broad with that, but I think in terms of spoilers, like you know, do your best to acknowledge where other people are at, and I think that um, there is a lot of merit to the idea of like something isn't ruined for you if you accidentally know what's going to happen but i do think like going in as blind as possible is usually the way to do it but there's kind of nuance within that so i don't know if that's like an interesting take but that's sort of what i think about it yeah no i i I think that makes a lot of sense um and and my not caring about spoilers suddenly like isn't gonna doesn't mean that i'm about to start running around screaming you know like I'm I'm not about to become that guy just because I don't right. care because <laughs> so recently I, mean, I was the person that cared. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I am completely on board with you, I think, um, in that, like, just let everybody experience it however they want to always be cognizant of other people trying to avoid spoilers, because like there are certain things that some people care a lot about, like who like maybe somebody cares a whole shitload about like what happens at the end of the witness or something you know and like right. just because that game is old doesn't mean you should just like come out and say what happens at the end of the witness thankfully in a lot of forums including our discord there there are ways to just put a spoiler tag where it gets blacked out yeah anyone who is not playing through the blue lines right now is in for a treat because like me and a few other people in the discord have just been talking and gushing about the blue lion story yeah. and it's like it looks like our chat is like full of like valuable tax ID information or something. Cause like everything is redacted. Yeah. Yeah. It's it looks like, like a document that was leaked from area 51. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you'll see like, Oh boy, just wait until like, you know, block of redacted text. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hey, great. The Holy kingdom of Fargus is precious with, with, with its information. Yeah. So that was a tongue twister. The Holy <laughs> kingdom of Fargus is precious with its information. That's the new, like, I bought apples and bananas and then, and, you know, whatever. Those are my Winter Soldier wake words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Brendan, what would you like? Oh, da, da, da. <laughs> um, you sing to have me snap back to my senses. That's kind of <laughs> turn off. Um, 
Yeah, well, thank you for that question, Bolt. Uh, spoilers are a weird thing, and I think um, both of our takes are pretty much like respect other people's takes, it yeah. seems. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think um, I think kind of also maybe gauge like what what you wouldn't have wanted to know right off the bat. Like, I think I think uh, it's also like what has been in promotional material, like with for Fire Emblem. Like, okay, like what has kind of been in the ads for it? Like, yeah. What, what what were the creators of the game comfortable sharing? Uh, unless it's like totally out of bounds, because sometimes like a commercial for something can just spoil the like. You watch old commercials for movies or old trailers for movies, and it's just the whole movie. Yeah, uh, which is kind of interesting. That maybe like it's a more recent thing that we have been more sensitive to spoiling an experience. Um, but yeah, just be cognizant of it. And I think uh, this is definitely a conversation that's worth having continuously. I think because it's there's so many variables to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, but thank you for asking that bolt. And also everyone in the discord, anyone who listens, like feel free to throw other questions at us. Um, we definitely don't have all the answers, but I think it creates a lot of interesting discussion points and we can kind of challenge ourselves with that. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, the, the specific example that bolt brought up here was, uh, the big spoiler in final fantasy seven, uh, which we have talked about on this show as like a thing that I don't know still, uh, yeah. somehow in all these years I've avoided that as a spoiler um, and the question has come up a lot which is like it's been so long since that game came out can you still consider that a spoiler um, which I think it it has been so long that it has somehow come around and out the yeah. other end and become a spoiler and it's like, again for that spoiler in particular it's almost on the same level as like Bruce Willis being dead in the sixth sense like it is almost <laughs> So, like, I, uh, I wish I remembered who it was, but someone on Twitter was like, it was after our E3 episode where you revealed that you didn't know what happened at the end of disc one. And uh, someone on Twitter was like, this is literally the video game equivalent of Children of Men. Like, we have to protect Brendan at all costs. <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. Um, so, like, in that situation, I am purposely avoiding that because so many people have mentioned to me, like, you, you should go into that blind, whereas other things I don't care as much about. Um, yeah yeah but that is that is something that like i think anytime a piece of media takes like a really brave choice that's not kind of in line with like the traditional yeah hero story is like you want to experience that fresh right and there are a lot of moments like that in three houses which we'll get into yeah um so yeah thank you for asking that question bolt yeah thank you so much uh again if you want to ask us any questions we will answer them on the show uh ask us however you want any of the ways that i mentioned earlier um should we move on Let's move on. It's worth mentioning the next segment. We are going to be talking about spoilers for Fire yeah. Emblem Three Houses. So um, if this is the end of the episode for you, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Uh, that would be amazing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And just, just also for context of like what will be spoiled, I'm going to talk about just sort of like broad strokes of having finished the game and new game plus stuff. Uh, and we're going to talk about like post time jump stuff i'm not going to go into like the uh the specifics of the blue lion campaign too much i'll probably touch on the time jump stuff but like there will be a uh actually i think one of our ideas for the first bonus episode is going to be like the blue lion story like Mm -hmm. deep deep dive steven's hot take yeah and i'll probably do the same with golden deer and then my plan for new game plus is also to do black eagles so you and i can have like a shared experience talking about that Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also interesting too, just real quick that I looked at, uh, people have been changing their statuses 
or their usernames in our discord to show what house they're in which i think is really cool yeah um we are mostly yellow deer so far in the discord yeah it's like six or so yellow deer three blue lions including myself and like a couple black eagles yeah um which is interesting because like the online statistics are overwhelmingly black eagles but maybe there's a lot of low-key black eagles in the chat that are not revealing themselves yet yeah maybe uh, we'll find out that is a very black eagle move so it sure is yeah cool all right let's move on let's move on uh thank you for listening if you're not gonna keep going and if you are gonna keep going with us uh please excuse us while we jump five years into the future <laughs> yes exactly our haircuts will change and so will our attitudes i'm gonna get hot steven I'm going to not wash my hair for five years. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, I wish I could say it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lounge Lizard Fire Edge of Dawn cover. I could stay. I don't even know that's a lyric, but it is now. Steven, we're back. We're back. It's been five things, years. It's been five years. Things have changed. Um, I am so excited that you made it to the time jump. And just for context, too, uh, for people that are here who either are playing Fire Emblem but don't mind spoilers or aren't playing Fire Emblem and don't plan to, that don't mind listening, uh, there's a point in the campaign where... I would say it's it's roughly the halfway point, uh, depending on how you're playing the game. Um, yeah. For me, it was around the 30-hour mark. Uh, I meant like 50 hours. Because you're, you're spending... There's a certain point in this game where I just sort of was like so immersed in the A-plot that I was like, I just got to keep going. Interesting, so like I, yeah. I kind of... Which is interesting because I usually am like, do all the side quests, but like at a certain point I was like... I recruited the students I wanted. I just needed to see what was going to happen. Mm. Um, and also the game got its hooks in me so bad that I'm like, I need to finish this before it becomes a problem. So I just <laughs> sort of like, I just sort of binged the blue lions campaign. Yeah. And then like, I'm taking my time in new game plus. Uh, but yeah. Um, I have, I've some- been so meticulous about like, using every available moment of my like explore the monastery phase stuff to like, see everything through because one of the first things you told me when i started playing was talk to every single person every time you can explore the monastery so yeah. i've been doing that and i've been like finding and returning every lost item i've been buying all the gifts from the merchants and then giving all the gifts out to the people who would like them specifically um i've been like really 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 uh stretching that time as as far out as i possibly can uh which has been interesting and then also yeah. in the battle phases i've been spending a lot of time battling um, because mm. I'm playing on normal mode, which lets you grind, which lets you like play battles that don't uh, take up any of the like points because you're so allotted does, a lot of So does hard. Oh, really? Yeah. It has oh, 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 it doesn't take up points. You usually get yeah. three points, but like usually they're like they're called like auxiliary battles where they're like not story centric at all. They're just sort of like kill bandits. or Yeah. Or so there's always uh, in normal mode. There's always one battle. that doesn't cost any points to do. Mm. So I've been doing those a lot. um nice and then also so i'll like do like a free battle a couple times like two or three times per month probably um and then also do all the auxiliary like and paralog battles um and i started doing i asked this question in the discord and i asked you this question but there are also um quote unquote rare enemy battles which are pretty much just like 
battles in which the average level of all of your opponents are much higher than they would be normally. Um, and it also includes a really large, scary monster that has a rare yeah. item on it. Um, and, oh, cool. and not only are you fighting the monster and the enemy types or, and the other enemies, but the other enemies are also fighting the monster because they also want the rare thing that it's holding. Um, oh, so you're in fun. like a weird race to beat that monster first. Um, which is great. It's a really cool kind of dynamic, uh, that, that, that really shifts up like your entire strategy. Um, which I love. So I've been spending so much time doing literally everything possible uh, in every single week of that game. And because of that, I have just hit the halfway point at like 50 hours. Um, so, yeah. Wow. OK, so I, I definitely got went through faster, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm really so surprised I, that that's the case. <laughs> I know it's usually I, I beat the game at 52 hours. That was my hour. Oh, mark. my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Lions do not fuck around. Man. Yeah, they, seems that uh, way. Um, it seems like so, a golden deer move to to like chill out a little bit more. Actually, enjoy your free time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was very interesting. So let's talk about the time jump. I think, or yeah. you know what? Talk about whatever you want because you're. <laughs> I, I will just say to set the to set the tone for the conversation. When this game, I knew it was coming. They foreshadow it greatly. They, it's in the promotional material that there's going to be like a five year jump at yeah, one point. Yeah. Um, and that it was going to segue kind of from Harry Potter to Game of Thrones in terms of vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. The The first mission where the time jumped is one of my favorite moments in a video game. It is yeah. so like the game is great from day one. Then it's like now we're going to be now we're going to fuck you up and like be one of the best experiences you've ever played in your life. Like, yeah. It is. <laughs> I hate to be that hyperbolic in my language, but. Like it reminded me a lot of Final Fantasy VI, where spoiler for Final Fantasy VI, but halfway through the game, the villain basically wins. Yeah, and the world the world goes to shit. It's called the world of ruin. The whole world map changes mm-hmm. after that. Um, and there's still half the game left, and half that game is like you finding your friends, and basically everyone is going through their own. Uh, you know, some characters are doing better than others. There's one character in FF6 named Sabin, who's kind of the Raphael. He's like the happy-go-lucky buff dude. Yeah. Um, he's holding up a house so that people can get out of it because it's burning down. <laughs> and Great. you see him and he's like, what, you think the end of the world is going to kill me? Like, pff, get over it. And he like joins <laughs> you. So he's like the same. He's that doing rules, great. Yeah. There's another character who has literally joined a cult for the villain, who's just oh, wow. like... My, because he he believes everyone to be dead, so he's like, I have nothing left. I'm just gonna join this mindless cult to like mm-hmm. hope I don't die. So you go around the world map, like recruiting all your friends. It's literally, a, a, the music for your airship in that part of the game is called like looking for friends or searching for friends, and yeah. you're instilling in them the belief that there's still something worth fighting for despite all the odds. Um, I got that vibe pretty hard in in the time jump as well things aren't as dire but there's definitely a sense of reunion and a sense of like okay like the stakes have grown um totally for context too like i don't know if it's the same with you because you have permadeath off but even with permadeath on if you ever lose a unit in the monastery phase the first part of the game the the cutscene and the quote is still as if they're retiring so they'll be like oh i'm sorry i can't continue and they'll go and like they'll still be in the story but they're not going to be available anymore mm-hmm. um 
in the second half of the game, they die. They die and they have like a scene and quote that follows and it was one of the most heartbreaking things like even though you can rewind time just seeing because also i will say too the difficulty ramps up pretty significantly it does right away right especially in that that battle in that in that battle battle, in particular which is like that was one of the hardest battles in the game for me for some reason yeah um i don't know if it's under leveled or what but like uh i watched my whole team die and like some, they really ham it up like time slows down and they're like oh like they fly away <laughs> and like that could almost be funny but some of the quotes like a lot of the quotes are like remember me or like i'm i'm done i'm sorry right uh felix's i've mentioned this in the discord felix's is like i can't see anything where's my sword and he dies oh my god and i'm just like that i i that fucked me up so bad i know i could rewind time but i can never unsee that <laughs> um and like that's what makes the like the fact that you can rewind time, but you can only do it a finite amount. It's like, I can't live in that reality where that happened. I'm going to learn from my mistake. And and I, th- I think as I, as I have now beaten the game, the rewinding time feature is so good and crucial to making this game as good as it is. Like, yeah, I totally the agree. ability to learn from your mistakes and, and rethink your strategy is like so crucial. Um, but anyway, I want to hear about your experience with the time jump and, and all that. So I'll, I'll give the, uh, I'll give the floor to you, my friend. Sure, yeah. So, I guess the thing that I was most interested in with this game was what it would turn into post-time jump, because I, the thing that got me in this game, the first moment that I was like, oh my god, I love this, was like right at the beginning, right when you hit the monastery for the first time, and the music swells, and you walk in, and like you mentioned in the last episode when we were talking about it, like it just is Hogwarts, there's an owl that flies by, like it is. it is so viscerally beautiful immediately um and and elicits like such a such a calming vibe um pretty much like right from go that i was like i love this and if this ever goes away it might change my relationship with the game um so i think the thing that surprised me most was like you still are in the monastery post time jump um you are still running around exploring doing all the same stuff that you were doing it's just you know you have a completely different purpose you have a completely different path in front of you than just teaching these kids month over month um so i'm just like happy that that is still there i think yeah, uh, that sure. was the thing that i was most worried about so like if if you are playing this game and you're like worried that that's going to go away post time jump um it, it does not which thank the, god the context changes dramatically but like you're yeah. still getting all the mechanic you can still spend time with people and have tea with people and all that kind of stuff that's still very much there yeah it is really great that um your relationship with the students changes in that when you talk to them they can train you the same way the other professors could in the, in the first so half cool. of the game yeah. yeah and they lead seminars too like if you have a character who's very good at two things like felix led the seminar on swords and reason and like yeah. this rules yeah uh, that's so, so awesome good. Yeah. um so I'm, I'm really into that um i don't i don't know what your story reasons were for everyone returning but just to talk about how that battle plays out like yeah so there there is a really large scale battle that happens at the end of part one that is like brutal it's like it's like heart-wrenching to play um it is it's it's gigantic pretty much every like major villain that you've been up against so far is there on the battlefield and they've been terrifying in every other battle you've played against them and you can like avoid them at all costs but in this one, it's like, no, 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 no. You really have to take them out. You have yeah. to, like, prove that you can do this. Um, and even still, I I think we can talk about this openly, but, like, you lose. You don't make it through. 
Um, and you specifically, the main character, disappear for five years. You fall off a fucking cliff and you're gone yeah. for five years. And when you return, uh, an, like a farmer finds you floating down a river and is like, hey, are you all right? Like, I just came down here. And you're like, what year is it? And they're like, are you what are you talking about? Yeah. And you're like, I got to get back to the school. They're like, the school's been busted up. Bandits have lived in it for five years. What are you talking about? I have to go back to the school. What do you mean I have to go see my students? Um, and you make it up there anyway. Uh, and of course your house leader is there. Um, or maybe not in your case. I'm not sure. But in my case, uh, yeah. Tell me about, I want to hear what happens with the golden deer. Yeah. In this scene, so Claude my is, scene was very interesting. Okay. So Claude is there waiting for you. Um, I don't know. I don't know what reasons you had for, maybe we can talk about it. Um, yeah. I don't know what reasons you had for, uh, for Claude being there. Uh, or for your students being there. But in my case, um, I and the Golden Deer made a promise that we would all return to the monastery for the Millennium Festival. Is that the same with the Blue Lions? It is, uh, but the context is a little different. Okay, uh, for interesting. My, for, my, for my house leader, the <laughs> situation's a little different. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So in this case, uh, Claude is pretty... He is now the, the leader of, um, of the Leicester Alliance. Uh, his grandfather has passed away. He is he's the leader now. Um, and he goes to the monastery, A, because he's holding out hope that you're still alive and that you will be there, that you'll show up um, because, you know, you're no stranger to just disappearing for years at a time. Um, you and Gerald, that's like your whole fucking vibe. It's like it runs in the family. It's just like <laughs> poofing yeah. into existence. Um, but anyway, you uh, you show up again. Claude is there waiting for you. Is like, I knew you'd be back. Uh, he's just like stoked to see you. And his goal specifically is I want to hold down the monastery um, because it is a central point in this entire uh, in this entire country. And we can use this as a way to hold the empire back uh, from invading the Leicester Alliance, because when the war between the Adrestan Empire and the Kingdom of Fargus is done, they're obviously going to come for the Leicester Alliance next. So he's like, this yeah. is where we're going to hold them back. Um, and you he's like. It's been five years. You have no memory of what's happened. Like, I need to make sure that you're still good at your job, essentially. So he's like, yeah. you and I are going to go into this bandit camp in the monastery and we're going to wipe out all the bandits. And in doing so is the moment that you're talking about, which is like a really I didn't think that it was going to hit me as hard as it did. I I yep. have been enjoying this game and I love all the students, but I didn't realize that I like loved, loved all the students. Yeah. Until, that you would die for them. <laughs> yeah. Until, until one by one, they start showing up throughout this battle. Like you continue to take out the bandits in the monastery and, uh, all of the other students start to show up, uh, in pretty much like groups of two. Um, and they're older and they're wiser and some of them have changed classes and they have different weapons. Um, and they all look completely different. Um, you know, but they still look like themselves and it's just like this beautiful moment where they all show up to help you, uh, wipe out all of the people in this monastery. Um, and you take it back. And, uh, it was like a beautiful, beautiful moment. I was really, really surprised by how hard it hit me emotionally. Um, and, uh, that's kind of where I'm at now is I've done that battle and I've been exploring the monastery for the first time since we've taken it back. Um, our, our trusty friend at the gate who we didn't even mention the last episode, but like probably the, like secretly the most beloved character in, in the, the whole in game the, yeah, yeah. It, is this is this one guard who works at the gate and every time you talk to him he goes greetings professor nothing to report and it's like the best most wholesome thing except for the couple of times where he doesn't say that and then it, it sucks um but what's funny is that he always does have something to report like he always has something new to say yeah. despite 
you know, that thing. But yeah, I think it's so comforting because that's sort of the like act two low point. It's so comforting to see familiar faces again, even including kind of like tertiary characters like the gatekeeper like that. That just is a testament to how like immersed and beloved even the setting is that a character who has no name and no face even like their Mm -hmm. eyes are obscured by their helmet is somehow like like yes it's kind of a meme but like it's still like you still would die for him you know like yeah totally it's great um that's so cool yeah i I saw just just i guess overall um my my trepidation about getting into the second half of the game kind of washed away because i still have all the stuff that i liked about it and as you mentioned to me, I don't know if it was on the show or off the show, but like you are even more invested in the game post time jump when all of yeah. the students return to your side um, five years later. Like it it really just instills the the bond that you had been building is like a real thing, um, both in you, the character and in you, the player, which is like fascinating um, it is. To, to experience and- that. I'd add that in that battle with the bandits, it becomes clear at a certain point that you and the house leader can't do this alone. Like it's a pretty tough battle. Like, I mean, I'm playing on hard, but like that was the first battle where I was losing people left and right. Yeah. Um, and if you lose the, your character or the house leader, it's game over. So like they make you rewind time. Um, but like, it was clear that like me and Dimitri cannot do this alone. So the fact that that's when they started showing up two by two, I was like, Oh, my children, you're all back. (laughs) Uh, Even Sylvain, I was happy to see. I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it uh, it really, you're right. It really is amazing. I, I, the first battle where I was like actively losing people and needing to rewind all the time was the one before that was like the big one. Um, Because do we, do we want to say what that battle is? We might as well at this point. So the big, the big, and this is like your fucking this is hard major spoiler warning. Spoiler, so like hard spoiler, yeah. Just a big wall here. Like if if you are thinking about playing this game and you are concerned about spoilers, even after a spoiler conversation, um, this is it. Uh, but it's revealed that the Flame Emperor, maybe unsurprisingly given the name, is Edelgard. Um, I I was shocked. I, I actually couldn't believe it. I was shocked, and um, then I was like, oh, her name is Flame Emperor, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and if you hear her voice, it does sound like her her voice in retrospect. Yeah, like um, uh, it's great. So it's revealed that that she's the the Flame Emperor, um, and she leads a force to take Garrick Mach Monastery. Uh, and it's this huge battle that ensues. Um, and honestly, like she has some like strong tactics going on in that battle. Um, yes, her she placement does. of units is like really interesting and like kind of hard to counter. And I found myself literally getting tricked by her in that yeah. I, I sent forces up and around to to get her from the sides back where she was with like her kind of um, her units. Uh, and then as soon as I started getting close, she was like, no, no, no. And then started running forwards um, and and pretty much just like starting to wipe out all the people that I had who were like archers Alice. and yeah. yeah and like just uh my healer was back there and like she just started wiping them out i was like oh my god i have to rewind like five moves to <laughs> to yeah. undo my fuck up here um but anyway yeah in 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 that battle um five years later when you're clearing out the monastery like it is difficult um you are like pretty much on par level wise with the bandits so uh yeah it's rough and then and then your friends start showing up and and everything is fine 
it creates a sense though that like okay we gotta step up our act like we we have been softened by time and i I won't spoil it for you but there's a battle later on where there is a very central point that multiple armies are fighting for Mm. and edelgard will light that on fire the minute someone captures it oh my god (laughs) (laughs) which like that's the moment i was like you are a terrifying genius like you are a brilliant tactician who has a I mean, I I have gotten to know the character a little bit better. She's a fascinating character. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it's interesting now that I have played through the game and and now I'm starting a new game that like it's not as simple as like oh if you see all sides like you'll see that everyone is rootable. Like there are some characters who you may not ever like or you may not ever agree with. Yeah. Um, you might know more about like why they are the way they are, and I'm not saying that's how I feel about Edelgard. Cause I'm still too early on to know, but like. It's really fascinating that the game has that like diverse of a cast in like who you can really empathize with and who you just can't. Right. Um, yeah. Because uh, really, her really goal, well her her overarching goal, the reason that she's like built up an army and has been plotting this for so long. They even say in in the in one of the cutscenes, like she's been plotting this since before you get the like the uh, hero's relic sword, which is like maybe the third or fourth mission. Um, like she's been plotting this the whole time. But her reasoning behind it is that she doesn't trust the church. and th- She thinks the church has like a chokehold on the entire country, which like, honestly, I found Lady Rhea to be extremely sketchy as a character. Yeah. And they and build the church her- does. Yeah. yeah. The church does some like problematic things right away. Like, yeah. Even your students are like, hey, was the church like the church is kind of whack, right? Like they just killed all those people for like little to no reason. Like, yeah, they and that's something that I'm noticing in my new game plus way more. We're like. The first mission you're killing thieves and they even have every character the first time they kill a thief has some line about it which I didn't notice the first time mm-hmm. but like Linhart kills someone and he's like what have I done there's so much blood yeah and like they all are dealing with it in a different way like the game goes out of its way to remind you that enemies are not just nameless faceless people like even right. the characters you don't know are people yeah it's it's double down on in the Lenato Rebellion, which, I mean, that hit me hard because Ash was raised by Lord Lenato. Yeah. But even then, like, even in my Black Eagles run, like, Caspar and, and someone else are like, wow, like, was it right to fight them? Like, that felt right. like they were fighting for what they believed in. It wasn't just thieves. Um, yeah. And then, of course, that gets quadrupled when you're possibly fighting people that you spent the whole game having tea with and getting to know. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know that that's coming one day, but you're kind of like, no, 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 no. Like I can't. Yeah. Uh, and eventually it's inevitable. Um, so all of that having been said, like I found, I've found myself really conflicted about the church in this game and like how, how they've been responding to small rebellions and things like that. Um, so a part of me was like, yeah, of course you would take up arms against this, like kind of scary force that like sees itself as opulent and and regal um but at the same time like she has started a war that is killing thousands and thousands of people and like destroying towns and civilizations and homes and stuff like it's like she's not going about it the right way you know yeah i mean she's a very like uh i always think of the mass effect moralities she is like the definition of the renegade philosophy of like the the ends justify the means um and what's really interesting, this isn't really a huge spoiler because I just started the new game plus with the Black Eagles and like the C support scene with Edelgard mm-hmm. or uh, with her and Hubert, um, who, who are, Hubert is her retainer who's like yeah. 
basically as like the do has pledges loyalty to Dimitri. It's like the same with Hubert. Right. Who's like secretly a comedy goldmine, but we can get into that another time. Okay. Uh, he is like Edelgard is like from week one of the monastery, probably the only house leader who is like not only fully prepared for her role of like, cause you know, Dimitri is going to soon be King. Claude is going to soon be grand Duke and mm-hmm. she will be emperor. Um, and like in the first scene she has with her retainer, she's like the path that lies before me is soaked in blood. Like I know this. Wow. Like I know what I have to do and I'm the only one who can do it and it has to happen. And Hubert's like, let me kill your enemies. Like a ruler must be like seen as pure. Like I will do this for you. Oh my it's God. Like, oh this my God. Is so fucked up. Yeah. Um, uh, but like she like from day one is, is like has realized that she will probably have to declare war on the church. The minute she's done with her time at the monastery. Yeah. Um, and, and her in the sea scene with her, uh, as the player, she's like having nightmares and you can talk to her and you learn that she is, she has this is also like pretty early support scene so it's not like a huge thing but she had close to a dozen other siblings oh wow who were all either like basically experimented on to get a crest oh uh, holy shit and they all either died or went insane or driven like terminally ill and she was the only one who survived it so she's like, I have to do this now. I'm the only one who got out of this alive, and I have to now fulfill my role. And I'm the wow. only one who can do it. Oh, my God. Um, so, like, her story is bananas. It's really sad and fascinating. And, like, I like that they don't go out of their way to, like, uh, I think she's a really cool character that, like, there's a lot of room to either, like, you can agree with her end goal, but it's, like, her mission makes the whole game what it is like her mission kills everyone right (laughs) you know like she starts a war that destroys everything you have loved in the beginning of the game yeah it's wild Um, like if you were to pick the black eagles first like edelgard is the a plot like everything that she is working towards is what the main story of the game is and if you're playing as blue lions or as the golden deer like that stuff is completely surprising to you when it happens. But if you're playing as the black Eagles, it sounds like it would be like, yeah, of course, of course this is how this goes. And like, we mentioned this last week where it's like when you're choosing between the three of them, like, Oh wow. The one with the black and red flag is the evil one. Shocking, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's, what's really fascinating though, is that in the, and this is a small spoiler, but I think it's actually worth knowing if you're going to choose the black Eagles, there is a point where there are branching paths. Oh. So there is a point where you can actually choose to continue siding with Edelgard or not. Um, wow. So there is even that branching path within the Black Eagles storyline, uh, which I think is fascinating. Huh. Um, I don't really know what that looks like, but I just know like uh, there was actually a Kotaku guide of like what to know before you choose your house. And like they gave like a very I recommend reading it actually. Um but they even say like it's worth noting that there is like there are branching narratives even within the Black Eagles storyline. Mm, that's cool. And they, the the author of that piece was like, they recommended checking out the Black Eagles as a second playthrough. Yeah, they're like even if you don't play them first, like definitely check them out eventually because I think you and I both had that thought where like we got to know what's going on in this fucking house. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like getting a completely different perspective because like even though there's a lot of differences between the Blue Lines and and Golden Deer, like 
neither of those factions wanted to start a war with the entire continent. Right. So, uh, um, yeah, so, uh, so that's where you're at with a golden deer. Um, uh, what I'll do is I'll talk about that moment with the blue lions and then I'll touch on sort of the new game plus stuff. Yeah, sure. Please. That works for you. So blue lines is very similar. Uh, you, there's that battle that plays out that is like really tragic. And there's, I don't know if you had this, but I actually had my player character go up to Edelgard to attack her. And she was like, I'm so sorry. It's come to this. Like I would have done anything to have you be my ally, but like, you know, sorry. And then attacked yeah. me with an army. <laughs> like you know, so <laughs> okay. an army like brings shit over and I'm like, I'm going to rewind. I cannot attack her full on. Yeah. Um the game does a good job of making the important characters especially strong, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um like Edelgard is even also just having her on my team, I'm like, she feels overpowered, which is probably for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um so uh so there's that battle, there's the uh you fall into like a river and are found five years later by a farmer. Yeah. Um Lady Rhea becomes a dragon, you know, as we were all waiting for and expecting. We were all waiting for. That was a pretty awesome scene. I took a screenshot of that. Just like firing a, like a laser beam out of her mouth at like yeah. an entire army. Um, I do. I do love the moment though, where uh, the player character goes and chases after her, and she's like, "Why the fuck did you? I'm a. Dra- I'm gonna yeah, be fine. Yeah. I'm a dragon. Did you think I needed help? Like, what is yeah. this? Uh, I thought the whole the whole story beat is that you're a master tactician. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> trying to help the dragon? Your hair turns light green, and you think you're unstoppable. Big deal. Uh, <laughs> so, um, similar, very similar. But you wake up, and then I went back to the monastery to find my students. And this is this was my favorite moment in the Blue Lions campaign because you walk back, and there's a re- I took a screenshot. There's a really great shot of uh, the professor backlit by the one kind of ray of soft sunlight entering this very dark abandoned place, mm-hmm. and against the wall, sunken and sitting with a spear with long unkept hair and an eye patch is Dimitri. <laughs> He's yeah. unrecognizable because Dimitri before then, you know, he has a dark past, but like he's always been kind of the embodiment of chivalry and like respect. Right. Um, and the first thing he says to you is like, so you're haunting me too. And it's revealed that he is seeing apparitions of the dead because Dimitri's past. He saw, he reveals this early on, but he saw his parents like die in front of him. Right. Yeah. At the tragedy of Dusker. And he also has a lot of history with Edelgard. They're step siblings. I don't know if you know that. I didn't um, know that. Wow. They are step siblings. And there's also huh. a little bit of like at least a wink, if not a full nod, at like kind of Jamie Lannister, Cersei kind of romantic interest as well. Oh no. Um uh which is make what you will of that. Uh not overboard, but it's definitely there. But I think that's an unfortunately like classic Fire Emblem thing. Sure. Uh, But it's not really presented in a positive way. It is like when they were kids, they didn't know it was kept a secret that they were related. So they didn't really know who the other one was, but they got along really well. Yeah. And then they then they didn't see each other until uh, the monastery stuff. Mm. So like at least I picked up on that. I don't know if that's like if other people did, but I feel like it's in the air. Yeah. And like it is uh, for all for for all observations a disturbing relationship so they're not trying to make it like this is good right yeah <laughs> um, it is a very tragic and disturbing like game of thrones relationship um so you find dimitri and th- he goes nuts pretty much right after like 
I don't know if you saw the scene, but when you find out when Edelgard is unmasked as the Flame Emperor, Dimitri just starts laughing. Like he, oh, his really? eyes get big and he just starts laughing and he's like, because he pretty much thinks the Flame Emperor is responsible for the tragedy of Dusker, oh, which okay. is where his, that's where his parents died. That's where Dudu's whole nation was killed. Yeah. That event has like permanently scarred Dimitri for life. Right. So he sees that this person who he like, knew and and confided in as a kid who has now become this like mysterious friend from the past has been revealed to be this he's just like of course like yeah my whole life now is about killing you like i like his whole identity becomes i need to kill edelgard to appease to appease the ghosts that i see every day (laughs) he loses it like he he is so haunted by the past like when you find him he thinks you're a ghost too and he goes like, let's go vermin hunting, shall we? And then just goes to fight thieves on his own and doesn't want your help to the point where when you heal him, he goes a waste of effort. Like he is. He wants to die. He, he wants to die. Yeah. He, he wants to die, which is really like he becomes a very unlikable character, but he wants to die. And that's why that scene struck me so much because you're like, OK, I want to help my former friend who's lost it kill all these thieves and then all the blue lions come back because of that five-year promise mm-hmm. um and for the most part they're all doing really well they've got cool haircuts they're they've grown up uh-huh. and dimitri is like unable to deal with how miraculous that is he's basically just constantly like go away like leave me alone and like wow it's just like vile yeah um to the point where, like, most of the scenes with him in the monastery, he hangs out in the cathedral and just looks at the broken statue, which I think is a brilliant visual metaphor because he is zeroed in on what has been lost, and there's all these people right behind him. Right. Literally. Trying to literally rebuild the monastery, and, like, it, it's this beautiful thing where, like, there's a glimmer of hope, and, like, they're trying to turn that hope into an object. Um, yeah. And and he's, I guess, just. And one to of the first. That. One of the first, even further down the dark path, one of the first scenes with him is like you have a battle and you capture, you can choose to capture a general. And he's like, how do you feel about seeing your friends die one by one? Maybe I should gouge out your eyes so you can't see. And like, holy shit, you can't even choose. The professor just goes over and kills that person. Wow. To just avoid that torture. Yeah. And you can say like, I miss the old Dimitri. Like, wow. And he's like, that person is dead. Yeah. Like, he's just lost it, which is like, I think a really brave choice because the Blue Lion story up until that point is playing out like very traditional Fire Emblem kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, even with the big twist of Edelgard being the villain, like, but choosing to make Dimitri become such a tortured, like, has a clear death wish. When he dies, he says a fitting end for a monster like me. Like he, this dude has abandoned all hope. Right. And most of that story is like all the blue lions being like, Hey, let's take back the kingdom of Fargus for, because at that point the empire has basically like dismantled the kingdom of Fargus. They have set up like a puppet monast like monarchy in place of the old kingdom. Mm -hmm. And the Alliance is half and half. Some of the Alliance favor the empire. Some of the Alliance are fighting for independence. Yeah. Specifically, um, um, Lawrence, who was the character that I was talking about, not liking very much, uh, in, in the Alliance, his dad is the one who is trying to get them to join the empire. Um, yeah, which is, it it creates a really interesting dynamic between, uh, grown up Lawrence and Claude. Um, yeah, he, uh, do you mind if I tell you something about Lawrence in my playthrough? Sure. Yeah. 
he was the first student I had to fight. He was like oh, really? one of the yeah. He was he and Ferdinand showed up, and they were like the two. Like there, wow. that was actually the first time Dimitri showed an ounce of remorse in mm-hmm. killing because like we had to kill them, and and you're like, hey, you regretted killing them, right? And he's like, they were just beasts with human faces, and like walks away. Oh my god, he becomes like a very intense edge lord post time yeah. jump. You probably noticed with his eye patch and like greasy long hair. Yeah, I sure um, did. <laughs> yeah uh, that's but, interesting though because now in my playthrough um i had like a whole conversation with lawrence where i convinced him to join us uh and and protect the alliance and like go yeah. against his his father's wishes which so is cool. you can you can kind of see like what happens when your guidance is absent yeah like i can only imagine what dimitri becomes if i if me and the blue lions weren't there to kind of course correct i'll let you know because i'm sure i'm gonna run into him eventually <laughs> yeah look out because the dude is insane um but uh or he's at least lost his moral compass um but so that time jump i thought was really fascinating and what's really cool is we actually talked a bit about this in the discord but felix the whole first half he's like mocking the prince and making fun of him he calls him the boar and calling him boar prince and then you see dimitri become that and felix is like kind of the one holding shit together in the second half yeah uh because felix because felix is like Dimitri, we've all lost people we love and we're not all wearing eye patches and capes and like talking about like the end is near. Right. Like, get your shit together. We need a king. And a lot of that story, I'll say this for the bonus episode, but a lot of that story is about like convincing Dimitri to retake the capital rather than marching blindly to Enbar and kill uh Edelgard. Yeah. Um but I thought it was fascinating that they took such a brave choice to make Dimitri like so unstable. Right. In the second half. That is really, like, yeah, it's a complete turn I, for that character. And and you're right in that, like, it's, it's, I don't even want to say hinted at, but like, it's set up pretty clearly, uh, yeah. in, in the first half of the game. But, um, even to see it play out and be that grave and that grim, um, is, is interesting. Um, because like, like right even, now yeah. in my, in my playthrough, like Claude is just older Claude. Like he is exactly yeah. <laughs> the same and they specifically call out, they're like, the only reason the Lester Alliance has held its shit together is because Claude is such a charismatic motherfucker that he makes it seem like they're going to be fine. So the entire Alliance has kind of like held their shit together just because of his charisma. Um, so when you meet him, he's like, yeah, I knew you were alive. It's great. Everything's going to be fine. Amazing. We're going to be awesome. Um, and that it, is classic Fire Emblem, but I'm still waiting for the turn. Like I, there's still hints of something to come with him because um, sure. I still don't know his motivations. Uh, and I and I imagine it's only a matter of time before they are revealed to me. It's really fascinating too. Like the three leads have such a different perspective because like Edelgard is someone who from day one is like, I know that I have to do horrible shit, but I have to hang on to this objective by any means necessary. Right. Dimitri is someone who hopes for the best and has these ideals, and he's ultimately crushed by them. Yeah, because he he has so much guilt about everyone that he has had to kill. This one of the earliest support dialogues with him is he's like. You know, he's like, I, my first battle as a prince, we had to squash some rebellion and it was very easy. It was one of those swing your lance here, the enemy falls, which kind of almost winks at the game's gameplay. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, it's great. And he's like, he's like, I remember I saw a soldier who had a locket of hair and he's like, that hair could have been their mothers, their, their partners, their daughters, their sons. Like it could have been anyone. And he's like, all I had to see was that to realize that I just killed a person with their mm. own thing and he he holds on to that which is a good quality in him that he like thinks of people as people but like 
it is way too much for him to do alone and yeah. he like refuses to deal with it in a way that's healthy um i found his character fascinating which i'll save for the bonus episode but i thought it was really brave because the lions are doing okay but they need a king and he's like refusing he's to be it. a good yeah. king yeah um so i thought that that was a really brave choice um I'm really excited to see what happens next. Do you have any other beats you want to talk about? With no, no. Here? I think um, before we wrap up, I want to hear a little bit about what's going on with New Game Plus. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to uh, veer to because I was getting a bit too into the Blue Lions. Um, it's okay. You, you know me. Uh, so New Game Plus is interesting. You retain your battalions, which I was curious about because I never really like put too much stock in battalions. Oh, wow. But that, that uh, is I interesting. Mean, I, I gave everyone battalions, but I never really thought too much about who had what. Like, I tried to make sure that they would, like, help. Yeah. But, like, and there's some cool battalions. Like, there's a battalion of dancers that, like, have the dancer ability where you can make someone, like, take an additional turn. Oh, that's great. But I usually found, like, I was classing people in a way that I didn't need to rely on. I only really use battalions to take out monsters, like, usually. Mm. Like, I would use it to stun monsters to then, like, take them out. Yeah. Um, so you retain your battalions and you retain your renown. Um, and the game keeps That's cool. track of uh, like what characters you have maxed out classes for. So you can, right off the bat, you can spend your renown to unlock support levels with characters oh. to upgrade to upgrade your professor level, which I think is the thing that helps the most because right away you can just upgrade to being an A-plus professor, which means that you now have 10 actions every time you explore the monastery. That's so wild. Like, so that really helps. Um, you can also use Renown to just max out someone's class ability, so they just get, like, if you, like, Bernadetta maxed out, like, uh, Sniper and Bone Knight in my first playthrough, so I could just, like, give her all the combat abilities that come from that mm -hmm. with enough Renown. Cool. Um, but it's not for everybody, just for the characters that you have kind of focused on, which I like. Cause I still want to work a little bit. Like it doesn't make the game like broken, but it also like th that tweet that went around where the guy had recruited every student. Yeah. Except for like the house leaders. You could do that with like probably like new game plus two where you have enough for now that you could just like max out your relationship with everybody. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really interesting. That's a really great incentive to continue doing new game plus. That's a really yeah. cool way of doing that. Um, and you could also customize, like you can actually make everyone have their war appearance right from the get go if you want to. Yeah. So you could change around like how they look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice feature. It definitely makes it a little bit like, uh, it makes the playthrough go a little bit faster. You're also going to know the game better. Um, ironically, I've been taking my time more with new game plus cause I don't want to like miss things. Like I, I'm really enjoying catching things I didn't catch the first time. Right. Um, and I, you know, I've invested stock in recruiting Ash, so I never have to fight him. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, ironically, recruited Sylvain too. Uh, oh wow! Because he's because I'm playing as uh, Fem Byleth this time, so you could just recruit him right away. Oh so yeah, like, yeah, you get him immediately. Right? I was like, I might as well have like a, a sturdy warrior on my team because I have like Caspar, and that's about it. <laughs> um, who's growing on me slowly but surely. Uh, I also, I, I like the students in the Black Eagles more than I thought I was going to. Mm. Um, I mean, I knew I already liked Bernadetta a lot. I recruited her my first playthrough, but um, Dorothea is a great character. She's the one commoner on the Black Eagles. Yeah, who got uh, in because but, of her prowess at singing, right? Isn't that her whole yeah, thing? Yeah, she's an opera singer. So it's a really interesting, because like, there are a lot of nobles on uh, the Blue Lions, but most of them 
most of them don't want to talk about it. Like most of them are like, Hey, 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 like talk to me as if I'm anyone else. Um, and the one noble on the Eladira who you talked about, Lorenz like very much talks about being a noble. Yeah. Uh, black Eagles, almost everybody with a couple of glowing exceptions wants to talk about their nobility. Like Ferdinand, that's his whole vibe. Yep. Uh, Kaspar, Kaspar is like, he wants to talk about himself, but he's also kind of like a head first, like happy go lucky character. But like, mm-hmm. he also has ambitions to be the best and to like, they're all from very prestigious families. Bernadetta is someone who is like, has had a lot of like, personal tragedy in her life because she's a noble which is why she's so reclusive oh interesting um and then of course huber and so they all kind of know like what's expected of them and are like falling into that hardcore so dorothea uh because she spends so much time with them has developed a very sharp eye for people's character and like is a really nice character to have in that crew because she like seems to like everybody but also kind of meets everyone where they are like even hubert who's like Snape times 100. She was like, Hey, Hubie, how's it going? Like, you definitely have a crush on Edelgard, right? Like, just put it out there. And he's like, I would do anything to make sure she's safe. He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if she told you to marry someone else, like, would you? And he's like, If she thought it fit that I marry, yes, I would marry. Wow. She's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would regret it on the wedding day. Like, you obviously want to be with Edelgard. Like, I'm just saying it. You know, have <laughs> That's a good, really good. Like, I, I really like how just laissez faire she is about like calling people out. Like, her scene with Sylvain was awesome. She was like, So you hate women, right? Like, you have no respect for women. Like, oh my God. And now you're hitting on me. Cool. All right. She's like, You're not bad to look at and you're not dumb, but like, you're an awful person. See you later. <laughs> like, I, I just love that bluntness. Yeah. Um, that rules. Yeah. So, and, and there's some likable there's some likable people in that and that team. Um, but it's a very different vibe. And like what makes it different is because everyone is kind of nervous around Edelgard. Like at one point she's like, I'm canceling festivities until we all train more. And they're all like, uh, and then she's like, I'm kidding. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> great. You oh, know, like man. no one really is able to like let their guard down around her. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, Bernadetta, like really, a lot of people really idolize her. Um, and Fernand like wants to be better than her and just will never be right. Um, so there's some familiar tropes within all the different classes, but like, it's a very different vibe. Like the blue lions felt like a big family. Like they really, even, mm-hmm. even when Dimitri falls down, like it's a testament to how united they are that they still try to bring him back. Yeah. Cause you know, the characters who know him really well, uh, Felix's father, Rodrigue, I really liked Rodrigue. I'll get more into him in the bonus episode, but he's like, you're my king. I'll follow you anywhere. But just know that the path you're on has no, like, this is a dark path. And, yeah. like, we are all behind you. So, like, maybe stop looking at the destroyed statue in the in the cathedral at night. Yeah, like, totally. Look at all the friends who have rallied behind you. Yeah. Um, and the Golden Deer, just to be clear, like, they they have kind of a family-esque vibe to them, too. But really, like, at their core, they're all there for themselves and for their own reasons. Um, yeah. It's just like a, a, a bunch of people who have very specific personal reasons for being there who have decided that for the time being, it's probably best for them to all like group up together, which is literally what the Lester Alliance is, which is interesting. Yeah. It's like a small microcosm of the place that they come from. That um, makes me love the Blue Lions even more because they're all so selfless. Even Felix will be like, hey, you're, you'll be an idiot if you die out there. And like, OK, like I know you love me, Felix. <laughs> like I love you, too. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm really Such- interested in how they're handling New Game Plus. That actually sounds really great because, like I said last week, I'm really surprised at myself at how badly I want to play this game a second time when I'm done with it. 
Um, yeah. even 50 hours in at the halfway point, I'm like, I really want to see more. Um, so that's cool. That's awesome. I, I will say that like definitely familiar beats in the first half, but the group chemistry is completely different. Um, yeah. I am surprised at how funny some of the support scenes are with the Black Eagles. Like, there's a scene with Hubert and Bernadetta. And Bernadetta, for those who don't know, is like, she locks herself in her room all day. She's like, has uh, a lot of anxiety and like, um, like, is a really bright and like charismatic person, but like, is her own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I, I liked her so much because I have my own. Not to that degree, but I battle anxiety too. And I'm just like, I get this. Like yeah. <laughs> I have days like this too. Like we're all Bernadetta some days. Um, Hubert is like a, basically a skeleton in a cloak. He's basically like Skeletor. Yeah. With hot topic uh, hair. He, yeah. He, uh, every scene with Bernadetta starts with her being like, ah, no one's around. Whew, I can just read a good book. And Hubert's like, hello, Bernadetta. She's yeah. like, worst case scenario. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 and she's like, ah, and he's like, I hear whispers of something happening in the darkness, a point of a needle, the pull of a thread, a drop of blood. And she literally does like, doesn't know what to say. And he's like, I hear you picked up embroidery. Be more careful when running around with a needle next time. <laughs> and she, it, it cuts to her face and she's just like mouth open, eyes open standing. And then Hebert goes, I've never seen someone faint standing up before. And then walks away. <laughs> I'm like, it was so fun. I'm like, I'm, I'm really happy that at least in the beginning, there's like so much comedy with these, with these, uh, students. Yeah. Um, which probably leads to the branching paths of like, do you side more with Edelgard or maybe the students have a rift with her? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but the seed is planted, but I think us, us talking so much about all the characters and, and all the factions and like the story beats that we've experienced is just a testament to the writing in this game. Absolutely. It has never been this good. Like I've, I've been a fan of the series for a long time, but it has always kind of been like, they're giving you kind of like, so they develop some characters and they have some archetypes, but you're kind of filling in the blanks as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Like this, this game has such a strong sense of direction. It's such a strong pacing, uh, that it's just unbelievably good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't speak highly enough of Fire Emblem Three Houses. It is, um, like easily already one of the best games i played this year um i was just talking to some people about this last night but like just like trying to sort what my game of the year list is going to be like fire emblem three houses like shot up towards the top like pretty much immediately um and it's going to be kind of hard to it's going to be hard to dethrone this i think yeah Um, our game of the year episode might be like okay we all know it's number one but number 10 yeah (laughs) exactly um and who knows i mean there's there's a lot of Sekiro is going to have to get revisited. Um, Slay the Spire is an incredible video game. I'm playing uh, The Outer Wilds right now. Is it The Outer Wilds or The Outer Worlds? It really sucks that those two games came out at the same time. Um, <laughs> I think it's The Outer Wilds, yeah. but I'm playing that right now, and a lot of people have been talking about that as, as a game of the year contender, and I see why. Um, but uh, I'll talk more about that in a later episode. Um, but yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses is an amazing thing. Uh, if you're listening to this, part of the episode you are probably playing it too and probably agree um so i'm glad we're all on this journey together yeah it's it's also like i've really enjoyed the the uh i like almost coincidentally the community that is built around it too like at least in our discord like yeah we're you know just discussing about the different houses and like what the vibe is and experiencing that in the new game plus um characters that like i refuse to ever take arms against so i'm recruiting mm-hmm. uh you know it's i feel shitty even like gauging that because i'm like i don't 
it should just be everyone or no one at a certain point but yeah um yeah it's a it's a really really special game um and i'm looking forward to revisiting it in our bonus episode yeah me too uh uh by then i probably will have finished my yellow deer playthrough like who knows (laughs) i'm I'm (laughs) you'll be you'll be on your second blue lions playthrough I'm doing a Lorenz only run on Lunatic. That's uh, <laughs> what the fans want. <laughs> it's wild to think that there's going to be DLC for this game, and it's like adding story content and characters and things. Like, oh, really? Is that confirmed? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, there kind of has to be because I feel like this has been a big hit. Like, even outside of the, like, and that's the irony. Uh, we were talking about a friend of yours who has played every Fire Emblem game, yeah, which is like a really impressive feat. And I was really happy to hear that they liked this one so much. Um, cause this is a series that like every now and then Japan just assumes that like a series won't do well in the West. And famously that has been the case for Fire Emblem. Specifically like, for, for Three time. Houses. There was an interview that yeah. came out like a day before with, with the game's director who was like, I don't understand why people in the United States play these games. And like, yeah, Awakening was going to be the last Fire Emblem game. They were like, well, let's just like put everything that people liked in from all the previous games, all in one game, and we're just gonna release it, and it's gonna be like the swan song of, of Fire Emblem. And then people fucking loved it, and they were like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! We have to make more." Um, yeah. And and look where we are now. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, I lo- we we talked about how much we we've talked about Awakening several times on the show, and that is a like a that's a landmark for the series for sure. Yeah. But this feels like a fully realized version of what Awakening was trying to do. I think a yeah. lot of people have pointed that out. Totally. Um, with with some fates in there too, because fates kind of had the whole like opposing factions kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never really felt the same with that because like you would have to buy one game or the other, and you wouldn't really have gotten to know the other characters super well. Whereas in this, like you by proxy know everybody, and it's even more haunting when you may not know someone that well. Be like, I know your face. Like, I I was your teacher for a bit. I might have passed you like in the lunch hall. You might have asked me like a weird question about if should I eat slower and now I'm killing you. Yeah. Haunting. Like ha- <laughs> and the yeah. fact too that the game like famously, you know, permadeath has been a feature from from day one of this long running series. So so much of the emphasis in the past has been about keeping your team alive. But now it's almost the reverse where it's like you can keep your team alive pretty effectively, but can you save everyone? The answer is no, and you will have to fight other people that you may also care about right so it's almost like okay cool your team's alive but like no one else's yeah (laughs) there's even not just spoil but there's even a lot like one of the students that i had to take up arms against unfortunately said the line like how many of your friends have you killed to get this far uh and i was like that's almost even a comment like in new game plus especially where it's like hey have you enjoyed it's almost like undertale levels of guilt where it's like how have you been enjoying this like have you been like enjoying this experience of like turning your back on everyone that you know um brutal yeah but so good and i will play it again thank you uh (laughs) no but it's it's a really effective game and if if any game could kind of preach a like anti-war message it is this one (laughs) it is this one yeah uh this this game is is hauntingly beautiful uh and it's great um it sure is steven <laughs> and we'll talk about it again at a later date yeah believe it or not i have more to say about it me too um we're gonna well, again just to kind of recap like the next time we'll talk about it will be the bonus episode available for everyone and it will 
at least from my end, I will like go into the blue lion story and talk about like the specifics of the story. Um, and what I really liked about it and all that. Um, and Brandon will do the same for the golden deer. Yeah. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the black Eagles if I'm also on that playthrough, but it's again, there. we're probably going to record that in a few weeks. Like who knows where we'll be at five years will have passed. I'll be wearing an eye patch. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, I lost all my friends cause I played this game too much. Yeah. Uh, I'll be riding a dragon yeah. and for some reason I have a chin strap. <laughs> yeah. Claude's chin strap. Like I know he's like the most well-adjusted, like emotionally after five years, but like the dude needs to get rid of the chin strap. Yeah. It's really bad. It's really bad. Edelgard has like it, like Ares adjacent Ram crown. Yeah. Rules. <laughs> Dimitri has like never washed his hair and has an eye patch, but like, okay. The blue lions, like, if you wanted to play as the Starks, choose the Blue Lions because they all like fall into the Stark vibe pretty. Like they all have like fur, like mm-hmm. coats, and like it's great. It's really great. He's got like a cape of like lamb's wool <laughs> <laughs> and like a blue X on his chest. But yeah, Claude's got a chin strap. Needs to go. He needs Sorry, to go. Claude. And so do we. Thank you so much to everybody who <laughs> listened to this episode, uh, especially if you made it this far. Uh, it's another long one. Uh, and yeah we'll be back next week with uh, more video games thanks for listening my name is Brendan Bigley you can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley I'm Stephen Hilger you find me at Stephen Hilger thank you for listening have a wonderful week goodbye goodbye